This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman IV. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hey, I'm Duff Lewis. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Season 12, episode 27, the season finale of 2020. We have made it to the end of our 12th season, and I am very excited to bring you this last Batman Universe Podcast of the year. I'm your host, Ian, and with me I have... This is Steph. And this is Steve. And we had a lot of news, as I thought we would. We got solicitations for March 2021 with the news of DC's new publishing initiative, which is not a reboot. We have a lot of returning comics, even though they may have new teams on them. And it's clearly a continuation of the continuity that has been set up by James Tynan as sort of the showrunner for the Batman universe. But they're having a new branding called Infinite Frontier. I think this is clearly a connection to the DC Universe Infinite platform name. I'm very excited about having branding, although I have to admit DC Universe Infinite does not roll off my tongue. I prefer, uh, sorry, DC Universe Infinite Frontier does not roll off my tongue. I prefer DC Infinite, which is what I will generally be calling it. We have eight books that are scheduled to come out in March, and probably more will come in April. But these are our launch titles for DC Infinite. I am very excited that none of them are double shipping. I think that double shipping has really been a murder on the artists. Even though I've liked a lot of the artists we've gotten on these books, it is frustrating to have arcs that are just full of different artists. We have, of course, Batman, which is returning with Jorge Jimenez and James Tynan IV. We also have a second title, uh, which is The Joker, And James Tynan says that this is actually a story of Jim Gordon pursuing the Joker, and Jim Gordon's very much going to be one of the main characters. So I am extremely excited about that. Another thing is that all books uh, that used to be double shipping are now going to have backups. So they will be $5 uh, with an 8- or 10-page backup story behind them. I have to admit, I am not super happy about $5 comics, but I would much rather have an 8 to 10 page backup rather than a cardstock cover, which is what the $5 books have been up to this point, because at least now I have an extra story. As long as it's a good story. I mean, I would, of course, prefer it to be a good story, but in terms of value for money, that's my, my logic. I've been going through page counts and price per page for quite a while now, and even though, obviously, an 80 page bad story is not worth more than a 20-page good story. I still like to have more product for what I'm spending. Yeah, I would I, I would I would prefer more pages of, of content 
myself, you know, considering what we were just discussing before recording, you know, paying five bucks for a cardstock cover, which I thought was just pretty much a waste. Even if you like the cardstock cover, I don't think it's worth the extra dollar. We have three backups in Batman, The Joker, and Detective Comics, which is going to be written by Mariko Tamaki, who just came off of Wonder Woman. Uh, I do recommend that Wonder Woman run, by the way, if anyone's interested. The backup for Batman and Detective will be a two-part story. So if you want to read the whole thing, you have to buy both of them, which is their clever plan. It's written by Josh Williamson, and it's called Robin, and it's about Damien facing his legacy between Batman and Talia, of course. So that should be kind of exciting. He has a new gray costume instead of the red costume, but they are still branding him as Robin. So I think that'll be interesting to check out. The Joker has a backup of Punchline uh, by the same team that did the Punchline one-shot, which is Tynan, Sam Johns, and Mirka Andolfo. And I'm actually... My comment on the Punchline one-shot was that I thought it should have been backups for the Batman book, so I'm actually really amused that that's exactly what they're doing with it. I think it's very exciting that it's going to feature Leslie Tompkins, who's one of my favorite characters, uh, and of course Harper Rowe, but uh, I'm mostly excited for Leslie Tompkins. So it's funny that I'm probably going to be buying the Joker book for Jim Gordon and Leslie Tompkins, even though I'm supposed to be buying it for Punchline and Joker. Well... Put me in a number who won't be buying it at all. All right. Uh, We also have Urban Legends, which is an anthology book with three stories per issue. It's going to be $8 for 64 pages, although I'm imagining it'll probably be closer to about 52 pages of story content at most. And unlike a lot of these anthology titles, they're going to have serialized stories. So there's going to be a six-issue story about Red Hood by Chip Zdarsky for the first six issues. I think that's a really good idea. This really reminds me of the Batman Chronicles series that um, used to come out in the 90s. Uh, And that was quarterly, actually. Uh, So it wasn't a monthly title. And that had three stories, and they tended to be longer stories. They weren't usually serialized, but they had the same writing teams for most of the issues, which sort of gave a sense of the connected universe of Batman. And I think this could be a really good idea. I hope that they use it to focus on you know, t- characters who, who often don't get as much focus as, as Batman himself. Now, of course, Batman's the selling point, so I don't want Batman to be absent, but... I think that this should be used to promote and increase the fan bases of other characters. Oh, I should also mention that Detective Comics is going to have Huntress in it, which makes me very excited because I've been missing Huntress for a while now. At least she was on the cover, or is there actually information about her in the solicits? Um, It's not in the solicits, but uh, the artist has been drawing her and promoting her, so I don't think they'd just, uh, you know, have that on the cover for nothing, since the artist who drew the cover is also drawing the interiors. Because the covers are liars. The covers are full of lies. You are not wrong at all about that. Outside of, you know, the two main Batman books, uh, Urban Legends is the one that I'm most excited for. It's definitely the most uh, experimental one. What else is in there? You said there's three stories, so it's Red Hood and what else? um, Oh, Rifter, ah. Outsiders, and Red Hood. So that's a, that's a, exactly what I'm hoping for, you know. Focus on characters that don't get as much um, normally. We also have four quote-unquote regular books at $4 a pop. Uh, that's Harley Quinn with a new team of Stephanie Phillips and Riley Rosmo. Teen Titans Academy, 
Catwoman with a continuing team of Ram V and Fernando Blanco, and Nightwing with a new team, but old numbering, so it's 78, it's not going to be a number one, a new team of Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo, who just came off of their run of Suicide Squad. So this is kind of cool. Um, James Tynan has been promoting the interconnectedness of the Batman titles, and I think that's a really good thing. It's one thing we all were hoping for, as we'll get into in a little bit. Well, I think, I think, you know, I know you mentioned you like the idea of, of no longer having double shipping. I think the addition, the additional books will make up for that for me. I, I personally didn't have an issue with double shipping because especially when uh, Batman and tech were on, you know, opposite schedules, uh, you know, because they always kept a book in your hand. You know, and now that they're going to single issues per month, at least they have some other things to supplement that. So, um, I mean, pocketbook and wallets will still be, you know, somewhat lighter. But I think, yeah, I, I think, <laughs> I think that uh, the additional content by way of these these new titles will be great. I agree. I think it's going to be exciting. So I wanted to get into our year in review back in our season opener, or it wasn't really a, I guess it could be called a pilot of season 12 in January. We talked about what we hoped and predicted would happen this year in 2020. Now, um, fortunately, none of us were as crazy to predict a pandemic, but that definitely happened. And comics being canceled for who knows how It was about a month for DC. It was longer for Marvel. Maybe two months, actually. It felt longer. It didn't. Yeah, it definitely felt longer. Yeah, I think it was two months because I remember we did um, retrospective podcasts on Little Gotham, Batman, White Knight. I think there was one more that we did. And there was the whole Diamond fiasco as well. Uh, Thank goodness we're not stuck with Diamond alone anymore. (laughs) All right, but um, we have our predictions. So I'm going to let each of my co-hosts read theirs. It's pretty short. And then we'll talk about how they've gone. Well, my prediction was just a hope and a prayer that whatever they did for the Batman reboot at number 100 when Luke Fox became Batman wouldn't suck. And absolutely none of that happened. (laughs) That's true. But we are getting Future State with uh, Tim Fox as Batman. Tim Fox (laughs) for two months. Um, Oh, speaking of which, did y'all see that new variant? Yeah, yeah. uh, Without the mask, right? Without the mask. Yeah, that thing looks awesome. It's a very pretty Mm -hmm. cover. Um, yeah, Ken Lashley did it. Yeah. I still am frustrated that they're doing this thing where, like, um, dropping you in the middle of the story instead of giving us Tim Fox's origin. But I, I yeah, because people like me, I I literally don't know who Tim Fox is. I think ninety percent of the audience doesn't know who Tim Fox is. <laughs> but yeah, hundred was. I mean, did we get to hundred? What issue were we on? Oh yeah, like hundred and three. So, yeah, nothing sucked. I mean, some of it could have been better, and there was no reboot. But overall, I've been very happy with Tynion's run. I agree. And so it's all, it's all fine. All right, Theo, what was your uh, hope or prediction? Well, my more, more prediction, and it was a hope, too, was that by the time we got to the end of the year, that there would be much more cohesion between the bad books. Um, you know, because you go from one to the other and things were just so disjointed. So we, we, we do see that as of Joker war, 
um, things seem to have come into place between the books somewhat. And I'm happy for that because again, it, 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 it helps move the story along better, you know, between the titles and, and just that cohesion. It's a great thing to have. And it also Except gets for- excitement for the whole lineup. So you're more interested in reading the other books. Except for everything that Snyder's doing that is not in the books at all. <laughs> yeah, but that's or basically it- an alternate future. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> Or everything Castellucci did in Batgirl. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to forget that. I think that your prediction has come true, but only because <laughs> there was so little cohesion that any cohesion is better. <laughs> but I think that Tynan's really done a good job of working with the other writers to try and get everyone more on the same page. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that they're they're treating JT somewhat like the Hickman with the X books, you know, he has a bunch of writers around him, but he's still kind of guiding away with the, with the main book uh, in the X-Men universe. And you can kind of see the same thing going on here with uh, JT in the Batman universe. And something I think is important to note is that unlike the last three writers who have been, the sort of superstar Batman writers, Tom King, Scott Snyder, and Grant Morrison, James Tynan is very much a collaborator. I mean, he started his solo career as a writer doing backups for Snyder, and he also uh, was the showrunner for Batman Eternal and Batman and Robin Eternal, which were intensely collaborative. So I think that it's really good that he's now running the show because I think he's the kind of writer who will throw in uh, references to what's going on in the other titles, unlike the, the other writers. My prediction, and it was very much more of a hope than a prediction, uh, was a Steph book, uh, Stephanie Brown. We are closer to a Stephanie Brown book than we have been in definitely two years. You could possibly argue in a decade. I think that we're much more likely to have a Batgirls book with Barbara, Cassandra, and Stephanie together. And I would be happy with that. But we don't That is one of the things we talked about. When we talked about what our predictions would be and what a Steph book would look like, that was that was one of the one of the things that you would you said that would be also awesome. Well, I I continue in my belief that that would be awesome, <laughs> and I hope to be proved right in April. So that's our predictions for 2020. Uh, let us know if any of your predictions uh, came true or were stymied, or if new exciting things happened. Um, I also want people to give us their answer to our question of the week, which is. What were some of your favorite Batman universe memories this year? Not, you don't have to pick one, just pick two to four that you're a favorite and share them with us. And uh, we'll do so uh, now. So go ahead, Steph, tell us some of your favorite Batman universe memories this year. I love that Super Sons came back and it seems to be pretty decent. Uh, I read the first two digital first issues and... Uh, one to two is throwing me for a loop, but it's I, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. I'm just going to love it and be happy with it. Uh, I love that Batcat came out. That was great. Even though that's closer to the end of the year, that was still a great book or great first issue. And I guess I've just really appreciated, even though <laughs> he's he's done now, I do appreciate that, um, that Tomasi ended on a high note, and I was very happy. So... Most most of my happy end things are for the end of the year, <laughs> but I, I liked that Tomasi seemed to end on a 
bittersweet high note, and I really like that. And Tomasi's not made the book suck, so that's good too. Those are all four four things I was happy about this year. So, not to sound too dark when I say this, but one of my favorite moments of the Batman universe was the death of Uberic and the return of Dick Grayson. I think that was something that was a long time coming for all of us uh, who was just tired of what was going on with our favorite former Robin. Let's see. My next one would be Joker Warzone, uh, particularly the story where uh, Cass and Steph for uh, creating themselves as the next generation of Batgirls. I truly enjoyed that. And for me, and another one is uh, actually enjoying reading a good Catwoman story now. I really enjoy what Ram V is doing with the title. And again, it, it, it has some cohesion with the overall Batman universe. And let's see, do I have a fourth one? Uh, I'm trying to be a little bit different than Steph, but I can't <laughs> because I miss my super sons too, and I'm happy that they're back. And I'm also sad to see Tomasi go, especially after that that great issue of uh, mm-hmm. uh, Tech 1031. Some of my favorites this year are going to not surprise anyone at all. I really loved um, the Robin 80th anniversary special. I thought almost all of those stories were really good, especially the Grayson story by Tom King and Tim Seeley with uh, Mikkel Jenin and Jerome Cox returning from that series. Uh, but of course, the shining star in that anthology was the Steph story by drawn by Damian Scott and colors by Brad Anderson. I just can't tell you what it meant to have Steph back and acknowledged as an official Robin. She got her own official variant cover and her own story. I also really adored when Steph called Barbara a couple weeks ago in Batman 104 and said, Batgirl's calling Batgirl Prime. I think that is the roadmap for the future. And I think that that DC really should embrace that. And I think fans could get behind that and it'd be a real success. I also want to highlight Batman number 98, where Bruce hallucinates Alfred telling him how to get out of his current situation, being gassed by the Joker and Joker war. And actually it was punchline who gassed him. And uh, he comes out of it after embracing his memory of Alfred and his cape spells out, I'm Batman. And I thought that was both hilarious and awesome. So those are our, um, some of our favorites. Uh, we reserve the right to add more to them if we think of them. But uh, go ahead and share some of your favorite 2020 Batman Universe moments. And, and, and for the record, it was Detective Comics 1033, not 1031. Ah, yes. I was wondering if you meant this issue or the next one. Okay, so let's get to our review section. We're going to start with a review of Batman 105. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Written by James Tynan IV. Illustrated by Carlo Pagulayan, Alvaro Martinez, and um, Christian Duch. Summary. 
In the past, as Bruce heads back to Gotham on a plane, Ghostmaker confronts him one last time, trying to get Bruce to join him on his quest to stop crime permanently around the world, which Bruce again rejects in favor of a more compassionate approach in Gotham. Today, in Arkham, Batman tells Clownhunter he has to stop, or Ghostmaker will kill Bao for killing Harley. Batman frees himself in Harley, but instead of running, Harley apologizes to Bao for her part in killing his family, and explains her desire to find redemption for all she did when she followed the Joker. Bao leaves, unable to kill Harley, and Ghostmaker arrives, furious that Batman found a way to avoid more bloodshed. However, Batman doesn't want to beat Ghostmaker, just as he did before Year One and in Batman Incorporated, he asks jo- Ghostmaker to join him and his former friend agrees, even to Batman's no-kill rule. They race to stop another crime together. So, what do you think of this resolution to the first post-Joker War arc? Well, as an avid fan of the anime genre, which isn't a genre, it's a medium, but anyway... People get redeemed all the time, and they're usually just the worst villains, and then, oh, you get their backstory, and you feel bad, and then they have a change of heart, blah, blah, blah. This was too fast. <laughs> like, uh, no. <laughs> I'm fine with him changing sides. I'm fine with him having a change of heart. It was too fast. One conversation a good guy does not make. So... And there was, like, no persuasion. It was just, hey, follow me. It's like, no. <laughs> um, so I, I was okay with it, but it was too fast. It should have been another issue of somehow converting him to Batman's side. To go down a little bit more, to, to go to a little lower level than, than Steph's explanation on her thoughts, I hated it. I it, it it was that ending was just for lack of better words lame. You know, I'm, I I can always go into the same foray that that stuff did, but I mean, you just go from bam 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 I'm on the beach you I'm on the beach you I'm on the beach. Okay, I'll join your side. Mm-hmm. It, that was that was terrible. I hated it and and those last few pages ruined the issue for me, if not the entire arc. Would it have been saved had it gone on for a few more issues? I don't know, but it's obvious we're not going we're not going to see that you know, because of how things are and yeah, I just I did not like it at all. I can completely understand why my co-hosts have this reaction, because it was very quick. But I think that as I look back over the arc, I see the seeds layered, especially in the last... Yeah, it was the last issue. So we have the first seed layered when we see Dick saying that Batman offered to... Ghostmaker to join during Batman Incorporated, which at this point is probably several years ago. And there was also a really great moment last issue where Bruce says to Dick as Robin in flashback that Ghost Hunter 
Ghostmaker was a friend. Um, and that wasn't something I was expecting because his first two issues, he was such a jerk to Bruce the whole time. I think that Tynan put a bit more effort into the, the transformation than just this one issue. Uh, but I would agree that it's definitely a difficult um, change in alliance to completely swallow. Other people have also criticized Tynan for writing Batman, accepting or caring about Clown Hunter, even though he's killed dozens of people. When, you know, he's been really hard on uh, Jason Todd, and he, he actually hasn't been that hard on Damien for his kills. So I think there's actually precedent for Batman not being uh, merciless to this this kid who has been uh, completely traumatized and snapped into um, following a path of lethal revenge. But I think Tynan's Batman is, he's trying to make a Batman who's not as harshly black and white. He's, he's firmly committed to the no-kill rule himself, and he wants to persuade people, but he doesn't crush people who disagree with him. Um, he's, he's trying to be less of um, the my way or the highway. He's still Batman. He still thinks his way is best, but he's not as domineering and definitely not much of his, as much of a bat jerk as we might have seen in the early 2000s, um, <laughs> which uh, our intrepid uh, Stella in Batgirl's Oracle is fond of pointing out bat jerk's um, tendencies. I think Tynan is explicitly trying to make Batman not a bat jerk. Um, I mean, but of course, of course, you know, this isn't going to last, right? Oh, of course not. I mean, Ghost Hunter is clearly going to be an antagonist, but I think this is a fun twist. And if this were the end of Ghost Hunt, Ghostmaker, obviously I'd completely agree with you, because this is totally... For all the stuff they've they've spent in trying to make Ghost Hunter this big threat, you, you can't just wrap him up in four issues. But I don't think Tynan intends to. This is the beginning of the Ghost Hunter-Batman relationship that's going to play out through the next year. And I think that will be pretty exciting myself. And I don't know. I just, um, over on the website, Scott, uh, mentioned that this was just the message that he liked to see is people coming together and being willing to apologize for making wrong choices in the past and committing to make better choices in the future. And I think maybe I was just in a place where I wanted to hear that. And, and it was very heartwarming to me. So I, I definitely liked that resolution, and I, I can see where I think the, the groundwork was laid, even though I agree it is very quick. Where are we in the, the path that we see for these characters? We've got Ghostmaker, Punchline, Harley, Batman, and the Bat Family. Ghostmaker is now uh, an antagonist, but also an ally. Punchline, of course, has her... Um, plot that's going to be running in the Joker where she tries to make a following through her podcast. Um, Harley thinks she's an ally of Batman and Batman actually believes her, but he also thinks she's very annoying. Uh, Batman himself is trying to be a better Batman on a budget. Uh, and the Bat family is being independent and making bold choices. Um, what do you think about all these, these trajectories going into 2021? Well, I mean, between there's been a lot of parallels between Batman and tech lately. Not like literal story, but elements within the story. And so one of the things has been that the Bat family is kind of just window dressing their plot. So I'm a little sad at that. And I really don't hope that continues because it seems like Batman's making a new Bat family between Bao and Harley and Ghostmaker. 
what I mean, sure, new things are fine. <laughs> new things are great. But when you have the old things and you're just literally treating them like window dressing, it's just a little sad. It's like at least give them something to do. I don't know. But so that's it's fine, but it also makes me a little sad. Yeah, Steph, Steph's biggest concern is my biggest concern as well. And, and those who have read my reviews, you know, would know that I have not appreciated how the Bat Family has been depicted, uh, especially since the end of the Joker War. Uh, You know, they've just been more or less plot devices, and I'm concerned, especially, especially in the main title, considering JT has said that, you know, we'll be seeing a lot of Babs in his stories, you know, that she's going to be a second fiddle, um, especially while this whole ghost maker thing is going to be going on. So I, I'm, I'm not too excited about that. Uh, I am hopeful though, that as Nightwing and, Red Hood continues with their individual stories. And, and I'll just say for the record, I've really been enjoying um, Red Hood since since he's made the move to the hill. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, they can regain themselves in their own books, uh, which, again, would mean we need a Batgirls book. Uh but yeah, that that's my biggest concern with the trajectory right now is that, you know, the original family is is not being depicted as they should. Uh, one more question, which is, uh, what do you think of the art? We have Carla Pagulian doing the quick um, Ghost Maker flashback, and then Alvaro Martinez, inked by Christian Duce, uh, doing the main art. Uh, and Alvaro Martinez is perhaps best known for doing a lot of the art during James Tynan's run of Detective Comics. So I'm a big fan of his. So I liked seeing his um, Batman. And James Tynan and Alvaro Martinez were joking about how they really love drawing Batman shirtless, like in the classic Raza Ghoul sword fight. Uh, what do you think of the art this issue? It's really great. Uh, there wasn't too much of a drastic difference between the flashback and the main, so it wasn't, you know, I didn't notice <laughs> the difference. Um, Harley looked adorable and cute and contrite. Like, uh, the emotion on the faces was really, really well done. And it was a lot of action, a lot of fun. It was, it was good. It was wonderful. Great. Yeah, I mean, we've all commented how how great the art has been this entire arc and it, it continues with this issue. So yeah, n- no complaints, no complaints at all with that. I mean, it's not, it's not our good friend, Jorge Jimenez, but this, this, this arc was a good, good substitute while he was away. Yeah. And I'm looking forward even more to Jorge's return. Uh, not because we've had bad art, but because, you know, the more good art you have, the better it is. So out of, Oh, shoot. Uh, katanas. How many out of five katanas would you give Batman number 105? Hmm. As hokey as the last. And I think the end is really kind of ruined by just how hokey the dialogue is at the end there. Uh, 
uh, I'd still give it a good healthy three and a half. I, I, I enjoyed it. I liked the redemption. I wish it had been a redemption arc, but whatever. I am going to give it a three out of five katanas. Um, that ending just, it really kind of ruined it for me. The art was great. I think the, the art really redeemed it, but that that ending was just really bad for me. I'm going to give it a four out of five. I'm a big fan of Alvaro Martinez and Carla Pagulian, and I'm also a huge fan of Tynan. And I see this as more of a, a setup arc rather than necessarily its own arc. And as part of that, I think the issue functions very well. And I like what it does. Um, over on the website, Scott gave it a five out of five, uh, which is a rare feat for most of us. Um, so that gives the overall arc, I think, a four out of five uh, katanas for Batman 105. You want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. So after our answers to the question of the week, we had the opportunity to record with our fearless leader, Dustin. So we have a conversation about um, what's happened this year, what we think is going to happen, and what his favorite memories of the Batman universe were this year in 2020. How do you think this year has gone versus uh, your expectations? Um, obviously, none of us predicted the pandemic, but how do you think it's gone uh, for Batman comics this year? I think overall, it's been it's been I I've enjoyed a lot of the books that have been they've been releasing this year. I think the biggest issue would have been the dealing with the pandemic and the release schedule and things like that in the middle of the year, and I think that put a lot of hiccups into a lot of plans. Not to say that the outcome of the year would have been much different, but I think that there was certain pauses with a lot of stories that I think hurt some of the stories, but I think overall, I think the books were very enjoyable. I think uh, the the standout to me was by far Batman with James Tynan. It's no secret that I like Tynan's work. I like that he incorporates the other members of the Bat family more than most of the other major writers on some of the books recently with Tom King and Scott Snyder over the past 10 years. I, I enjoy that aspect. I've always enjoyed that aspect of, of incorporating the different members. And he's even taking it a step further by introducing more characters into the Bat family. And while I had some issues with Bluebird and Signal and some of the other characters that came up, I don't feel the same. I don't know if it's just because I don't feel the disdain of the, you know, against the stories um, compared to like Scott Snyder's story and Tom King's stories and things like that of introducing characters. And Tom King wasn't really introducing that many characters, but like just doing things differently. I think I'm, for whatever reason, there's something about Tynan's writing that makes me just enjoy the books a little bit more. And obviously, Batman is just one facet of the entire universe. There's other books. I think another highlight was Nightwing finally being Nightwing again instead of being the lost the lost boy of Bloodhaven. So, um, but I think it's also nice to see that Batgirl ended because I'm hoping that's the, that means there's something new on the horizon. But I think that uh, 2021 has has good promise because of what we've seen come out of the bat books in 2020 
What do you think of the cohesiveness of the line? Do you feel that James Tynan has lived up to some of his promise to bring the line together after the lack of cohesion during Tom King and Scott Snyder's runs? So that's, I think, one of those things you ha- we have to wait and see. I think there is a little bit more cohesion. I feel like when Joker War was going on, I think that was the, the most prominent aspect of showing the cohesion amongst the books. A lot of that has to do outside of time and has to do with editorial kind of having one editor maintaining all of the books is always better than having two editors, uh, you know, divvy up the groups of books. But I think that Tynan has bigger plans for the bat books as a whole. And as kind of the, you know, kind of the, the writer, in charge per se because he is heading up batman a lot of his ideas are going to carry over some of the other books and i honestly think that some of the new teams that are coming on to some of the books i think will work a little bit better with some of with with what tynan's doing tom king in some ways kind of squared himself off from everybody else whenever they had a number of different titles trying to tie into the stuff that king was doing perfect example is like the prelude to the wedding that kind of stuff. It just didn't feel like it worked because none of these other books were really dealing with the stuff that Tom King was because Tom King was kind of doing his own thing and ignoring the stuff that was happening in the other titles. Scott Snyder had multiple storylines that incorporated other, other characters into them. And the other books obviously would be thrown into whatever crossover they were trying to do, but it just didn't feel like it worked as well. And I think that, Tynan is, I think Joker War was kind of the starting point of what we could see come 2021 with more cohesion amongst the titles. I think the recent interview with Tynan talking about the different Bat books and the plans for what's happening in the Batman universe, as well as the interview that was released with Ben Abernathy, one of the editors over at DC, I think that they have some some ideas and I think it's just a matter of execution at this point and seeing how they execute it. And if it, it is, well, I think one of the biggest things with the bad books in general is that I think readers enjoy when there is that cohesion. And I think DC is realizing that when it comes to the Superman books or it comes to a Green Lantern book or Aquaman or some of the other books that focus specifically on a character. There's not a lot of other books that kind of fall within the same gravitational pull as the main title. You know, Wonder Woman has right now two issues releasing a month. She's got, there's another book that comes out. This, there's a, the upcoming sensational Wonder Woman, but there's, but that's the extent of it. Superman has three or four titles that kind of deal with, metropolis and things like that but i think when it comes to the bat books there's just so much content that comes out that it's it actually hurts the line if the books don't react to other things happening in the books and i think it'll be nice to see more of that yeah and i think one of the teams that we have right now that's continuing that's demonstrated a really good job of working with tynan is ram v on Catwoman. yes exactly Uh, His Catwoman title, while being, is very much its own story. Like, it's not the Batman backup, but he's integrated so you can read them together. And they're good stories on their own, and they also enhance each other because you see where they take each other. And I'm really looking forward to more of that. Uh, Any other teams you're thinking about that might be like that? Honestly, um, I'm kind of looking forward to to see and I, I can't say how much how connected it's going to be but I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to see what happens with Nightwing 
it's it, with Tom Taylor coming on board. I think that it's it, it's going to be interesting because I think he has a great understanding of how to like incorporate multiple facets. And I know that Nightwing is typically outside of Gotham, or at least recently has been. But the idea of Batgirl being involved, it, even if it is just for a story arc, it shows that there all there is that interconnection between the characters at the very least, you know, the, the writers recognize that there are characters that that already exist. There's not a need to necessarily create new characters, but that doesn't mean you can't create new characters because a perfect example, I think in my mind is Ghostmaker. The character I think was, was flushed out enough, but that leaves, it leaves enough where you still want to maybe learn more about the character as time progresses. And I think that's the perfect introduction of a character rather than just giving us all kinds of information or not enough information. It, it as we've seen in some ways with signal, how signal was flushed out in a mini series, but that was like ages after the character premiered to a degree bluebird. He had that gradual, but it was such a slow, slow burn that you just don't get to being interested in the character until, well, now she's here and now you have to be interested because she is this other character that, that means something more. And I think that when it comes to what Tynan's doing, but I think Tom Taylor is a great example of somebody who understands using, utilizing characters, you know, with his background with deceased and injustice, I think that he has a lot of potential of doing some really great stuff when it comes to the Nightwing title and incorporating some of these other characters that we don't really get to see the interactions. Because I think a lot of us who are longtime Batman or Bat Universe, you know, listeners and and have appreciated the Batman Universe books and things like that, I think longtime readers are going to they look forward to those interactions between the established characters. Yeah, it's nice to see, you know, the characters interact with new characters. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think we like to see those character moments between the established characters. We want to see Tim Drake interacting with Dick. We want to see Dick interacting with Babs. We want to see Jason interacting with Damien. We want to see Bruce interacting with basically everybody because, you know, he's not a loner who needs to be all by himself all the time. And I think there's the, the writing that a lot of the teams that are coming for the books, I think get that. And they understand that the characters the best stuff we can possibly get is the characters interacting with each other. DC's also been doing a lot of alternate universe um, or supplemental type takes on Batman recently. We have Batman Black and White. We have Batman Catwoman. We have uh, White Knight Presents uh, Harley Quinn. How, how do you think those experiments are going? Well, when it comes to some of them, I think, well, Batman Catwoman, I think, will do well. I don't, I think it's a little too soon to decide. I mean, to a degree, almost all of these, except for the Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn, it has only been, you know, of one or two issues. So the thing is, at this point in time, I think it's it's tough to say. But looking at some of the other stuff that they've produced over the past year, uh, I mean, one of the things I think one of the books that a lot of people seem to forget about is Batman vs. Ra's al Ghul, which was horrible, absolutely horrible, and that book ended up not releasing its and its last two issues because of the pandemic and now the final two issues are being solicited the first of the final two issues is being solicited for march and that's an example of an alternate version of batman or in neil adams mind a real version of batman that exists in real continuity but to no one else but i think that 
when it comes to these experiments, I'm open to them because I think it, it allows these different interpretations of Batman to exist. I was, you know, I, I can't sit here and say that I was against the idea of the Arkham books when they were doing the Arkham title or the Arkham video games and having the tie-ins. A lot of those, some of those tie-ins had some really good stories that wouldn't work within the confines of normal continuity. I'm all for the idea of doing stories outside the realm of normal continuity, as long as it's known that it's outside the realm of continuity. Because the the problem is when you leave it too open as to whether or not it's part of continuity or not, people start choosing whether or not to accept things. And I don't think that's uh, the route that you should be going. I think, as, as I've said, obviously, long time, continuity matters and it makes a difference. So by all means, they can do these alternate versions. They can do Injustice or Deceased or Black and White. They can t- tell the stories that they want to tell without the confines of continuity because it leaves them the ability to do all kinds of things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. It also allows you to have stories like the death of characters that wouldn't otherwise be killed because they're just too important. And you can see the ramifications that, that, that the, those kind of situations lead. And I think those are good to see, but it's not what we need to see all the time. All right. One quick business question. What do you think about the choice to stop double shipping and instead do um, $5 books with backups? That's a good question. So when I was thinking about the idea, so when they announced that they were going to single ship again, I was open to the idea because double shipping is slightly annoying. However, the one plus of double shipping is that you can get through story, you can release stories in a much quicker pace. And I was kind of on the fence because I was thinking about this before and thinking to myself, well, the one thing I liked about Joker War was that the story did not take place over an extended amount of time. However, the one thing that I keep thinking about when I think about Joker War is how maybe it could have dealt with, you know, how maybe it could have been a little bit longer. Maybe it could have fleshed out a little bit more things within the confines of what was going on in Joker War. You know, like the there was aspects that could have been expanded upon. And then I keep thinking back to the huge events of the 90s. And thinking about how long they lasted and thinking, well, if they were double shipping, they wouldn't have never lasted as long as they did. However, I think when it comes to double shipping, it presents problems. It presents it presents logistical issues. And I think ultimately it's better for the titles and the the overall run, the, the overall line to not have double shipping. The idea of raising the price to $5 instead of $4 an issue and only having one, it saves, first of all, it saves the reader's money because you don't have to, if you're super interested in what's going on in Batman, you're not having to pick up two $4 issues every single month. Instead, you pick up one $5 issue. The idea of backups, I love it. I've always loved the idea of backups. I wish they would have always been more successful because I think that there's a book like Detective Comics doesn't warrant more pages. It just warrants more story. So I think that by having backups and having the ability to have other writers come on and do backups within within these larger books, it makes perfect sense. It reminds me of when Detective Comics back way, way back was more focused on the Bat family and less on Batman. And while everybody had different focuses and they, they do different stories based on the different characters. And there are so many characters within the Batman universe 
that are never going to necessarily get a, you know, a ongoing series that's going to be super successful. I think the idea of doing a book, even like the recently announced Batman Urban Legends, I think a book like that where they could have a Red Hood story and tell a Red Hood story for a while or tell a signal story. I think that works because you can get a writer who says, I've got a really good single uh, signal story, but it's only going to, you know, it wouldn't warrant being a full six miniseries or six, six issue miniseries. It warrants being maybe three issues. Well, they're not really doing a whole lot of miniseries right now. There are some, but there's not a lot of miniseries unless they're, you know, very high profile creators on them. So the th- issue is you're never going to see those stories. But I think there's a lot of creators who have smaller stories that work perfectly in, in an anthology type or in the backup format of a, of a title. So I think the idea of the single issues and getting away from double shipping, I think is a great idea. I think it opens up the possibilities of also having the ability to focus on other characters as well. You know, back during the new 52, there was always four main bat books. There's Batman and Robin detective comics, Batman. And why does it escape me? There was another one. Urban anyway, no, there was another, there was another book. What was the other book? There was, there was a book, there was a Batman book like every single week during the new 52. Well, oh, even for, it was Batman. Yes, Batman yes, yes, it was Batman, the dark Knight. Yes, that's what it was. And then during even, even before that we had, you know, like Batman detective comics, shadow of a bat legends of the dark Knight. There was Gotham Knights for a while. There's always been a number of different Batman books. And the thing is when you have a book that has the ability to focus on other characters besides just Batman, I think you open up the possibilities of, of storytelling. So I think, I open the idea of backups because I think that's going to give them the ability. I open up the idea of I'm open to the idea of a book like uh, Urban Legends because I love the idea of an anthology book that can tell different stories, you know, based off of characters that would not otherwise get, you know, a larger focus because they just don't warrant that. I think I might be the only person who enjoyed double shipping. <laughs> I like double ship, but I understand why people don't. I enjoyed parts of it like i definitely enjoyed being able to read tynan's detective comics every other week because i was so invested in that story it's true yeah but i also the effect of the artist was so catastrophic there was only one arc in that entire run that was drawn by one artist i think it presents the 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 the, the art is the biggest problem with double shipping i'm not going to sit here and say i don't like the idea of double shipping because it does continue that story that you know the main focus of of the story. The issue is that you have a book like Detective Comics, and no offense to Peter Tomasi, but Detective Comics doesn't the way it's being released. It does not warrant having two books per month. There's no reason it needs to have two books per month. They're, the stories that they're telling is not high, you know, high profile. There's a lot of you know it's it's whisking around the Batman universe and it's containing all these different elements that focus on other characters and and has the ramifications that need to happen. So why does it need to be double shipping? Well, it's double shipping because Batman's the main character and they wanted Batman to be double shipping. So Detective and Batman are double shipping. I think when it comes to certain stories, like honestly, looking at Tom King's run with double shipping, I don't think it didn't work i think the only aspect that it didn't work at was the fact that they were rushed and the art suffered because of that because there was too many situations where they needed to have artists come in and do three four pages one two pages 
of an issue to finish it off because they just didn't have enough time. And I think in some cases, when it comes to the writers, the writers sometimes get rushed because of the the constant schedule they have to be on because they're having to churn out two issues per month. So I think there's there's downfalls when it comes to double shipping. But story progression, I think if the story warrants it, there's no reason you can't do that. It's just the issue is because look at it like this. You look at the major events of the 90s. You had, you know, Shadow of the Bat, Legends of the Dark Knight, uh, Batman Detective Comics. You had these titles and these titles would release, you know, consecutively a part of a story, the next part of a story, the next part of a story. So in some ways, they weren't just double shipping. They were actually quadruple shipping because they were telling one story over the course of four books per month. The same thing is true of the uh, the Superman books in the 90s, too. And that, I think, warrants things like that. But I think it's easier to do that where when you have – I think it's easier to do it when you have four different series and when you're not having this major story because major stories are not happening nonstop every, all the time, even though it always feels like it is. I think when you have those down moments, those are the opportunities to tell other stories that aren't necessarily part of the larger story that they're telling. So Joker War happens while well, we've got some months before the next big story kicks off. Now's your chance to tell some other stories. Well, if you're stuck between the confines of one title with it being double shipping with Batman, well, you're going to have to keep telling the same story you know, every two weeks just because of how that story works. But if you have it spread over the course of like four different series instead of just two, then you can take that month or two and tell a different story in that book. And I think that's that's the part that 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 makes double shipping not work and single shipping work better. So now we ask you the question of the week. What are some of your favorite Batman Universe memories this year? So some of my favorite memories overall f- that we, we've seen in comics is I think the biggest one, like I mentioned earlier, is Dick being Nightwing again. That couldn't have happened sooner because it felt like it took forever for him to get that suit back on. That's one of them. Joker War, I think, was a great story that incorporated a lot of different facets. I also think that in some ways it's a Joker story that that works for the time and it, it works a lot better than some of the other Joker stories we've seen over the past 10 years, because I think that ultimately it was more down to earth. It didn't add in some fantastical thing elements just for the sake of it. And I felt like there was a payoff. Like it clearly there's, there's, there's things that Tiny is going to pick up later on. Obviously we know there's a Joker, ongoing series coming to where a lot of that's going to be picked up on. But I think that 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 story did a great job of incorporating aspects of the bat family and timing just, he does a really great job of figuring out ways to make the characters matter and progress the characters, even when the characters aren't progressing enough in their own series, which is sad to a degree, but is a good thing when that happens because, because Batman is the book that is the top book when it comes to the bat books, it does make those other characters have to propel in directions brought on by stories like that. So those are two things. When I look back and think about some of the other fond memories of what's happened this year, one of the other things that I'm kind of happy that it happened is kind of the trimming of some of the other books. Not that I don't think that I want, obviously I want to see stories with Barbara Gordon as Batgirl or Barbara Gordon as Oracle or whatever direction she's going. But the, the thing is, 
some of the books that were going on that ended earlier this year, they didn't really feel like they had a direction. They just felt like they had a purpose, which was putting an issue out every single month. And I think the focus was no longer on putting out good stories. It was just putting out a story. And I honestly believe that as some of these characters get new series, like there's going to be a new Harley Quinn series or some of the other books emerge from the new pack of books that are coming in March. I think that those characters are going to have a firm direction and a firm path that they're going to be traveling on. And I don't think a lot of times we've seen that, you know, when it comes to, Batgirl, I think, is one of the underutilized characters right now because everything that was happening in her book didn't seem to make any difference anywhere. And the aspects that they tried to make happen, like James Jr. dying, it didn't really feel like it had that gravitas. It didn't feel like it it really made a difference. It was just kind of like, okay, well, he's dead. Well, we'll we'll see him come back some other time because it really just didn't feel like it mattered. So I'm... It's as unfortunate as it is to have less books coming out featuring characters from the Batman universe. I think that's a good thing because it means when they do come back or they do relaunch a new series, it means that the characters are going to have a much better direction. That's what I'm looking forward to. And that's one of the things that unfortunately is a good part of 2020 in some ways 2020 has as horrible as it been not just you know like outside of the batman universe as you know as part of the global pandemic and everything else that's happened in 2020 there's been a lot of horrible stuff that's happened but it gives that option to basically become better in 2021 it's kind of like a you know a forest you know a forest fire is horrible but from the for from the ashes, new life emerges. I think with the Batman universe, the ashes of what's been happening for almost ten years, and it, you know, has the ability to potentially have some really great stuff coming in the near future. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dustin, for joining us tonight, and um, we'll definitely have you back um, next year to talk about where we think it's going. Can't wait to see. We'll see what happens. All right. But anyway, thanks. thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. Thank you, Dustin. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. We would love to think what you think about this episode. Send us a message at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net, on our Discord server, our Twitter at tbu underscore comics, or if you're a patron, on our Patreon page. Leave us a review on Stitcher or iTunes or YouTube, and I'll read all of your comments and reviews on air next time. We unfortunately don't have any significant comments that we noticed this year. So if we missed anything, please send us an email or something to point out where we were wrong. But we look forward to all your comments about what the Bat family meant to you this year. On to our second review. Detective Comics, number 1033, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Brad Walker. If Damien and Batman dive in their final descent into Hush's hideout, an old movie theater, Bruce reminisces on the ups and downs of his past adventures with his son. As they crash through the ceiling, he takes fine appreciation in knowing that Batman and Robin are together again. The dynamic duo arrives just in time to prevent Hush from cutting into Jason, who still lies unconscious on the gurney. 
Hush began firing his weapons at them, happy that Bruce had brought his son for him to kill in front of him. As Batman heads towards his former childhood friend, he instructs Damien to save the rest of the Bat family, who are all still bound and unconscious. Hush gains the upper hand on Batman, applying pressure to one of Bruce's nerves. As numbness sets in, Damien intercedes, attacking Hush with a handful of scalpels. The distraction is enough to allow Batman to regain his composure. He throws a a handful of batarangs, pinning Damien to a wall. Batman wants Hush all to himself. He charges Hush, knocking him from a balcony. The two friends land on the floor below. As they prepare the battle, Batman removes his cape and gauntlets, Hush his gloves. Elliot teases Batman on the loss of the Wayne fortune, something he could not have experienced for years until his mother's death. As they battle, Bruce thinks back on their lives growing up and the events that would make them lifelong enemies. Batman finally gets the upper hand, and with one right hook, takes out Hush, who falls to the ground. As Batman ties up the now unconscious Hush, he is congratulated by Damien for a job well done. Batman wants to continue the conversation he began with his son, but he is unexpectedly gone. Bruce finds him preparing to leave on top of the theater. Damien still intends on solving the cases in Batman's casebook, getting from under the shadow of his father. Bruce attempts to reason with his son, but the young Wayne is impatient and wants none of it, especially after the death of Alfred. Despite Batman's words, Damien blames himself for Alfred's death. Batman offers Damien the Robin mantle, but Damien rejects it leaving his father alone on the rooftop. On the rooftop, At the Nakano campaign headquarters, the final votes are coming in. In one of the closest elections in Gotham history, Christopher Nakano has been elected mayor. He addresses a crowd of waiting supporters and reporters looking to know what's to come from the incoming administration. As the Nakanos are rushed off, the mayor-elect wonders what he is to do now that he is actually won. Bruce returns to Wayne Manor, and after Shao went from the nice event, finished packing things, including the items in Alfred's room. He gathers the pets, including Batman and Bovine, and after saying one last goodbye to his adopted father, heads off to his new home in Gotham and to new memories. All right, so how do you think of the resolution to this final arc of Tomasi's Detective Comics run? Well, other than the Bat family being window dressing, again, (laughs) get a side look at some of them, I liked it. One thing I definitely liked better about this one than Batman, again, with these parallels and similarities between the two, is that you can't just have a conversation with Damien and have everything be okay. Like, there has to be... There was trauma. You can't just have one conversation and bring everything back to the way it was. It's never going to be the way it was before. And I think I like that, that Damien is willing to talk. I like that he's, he was like, we've already talked about this. And then and then they talk about it for like two pages. <laughs> but 
I like I love that he's willing to talk, that he's open, but he's also hurt. And there's just a lot of pain he has to work through. And so I, I like that it didn't end on a happy everything is fixed note because that's not too, <laughs> too realistic for a book about a superhero. Um, but uh, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Nakano was kind of there. I mean, I don't feel like he's supposed to have been a big part of the story. He was just supposed to be there in our peripheral vision so that uh, future state makes sense. So I'm fine with him being almost <laughs> a bug <laughs> in the story. Uh, and then what else happened? Oh, right. The bat cow got, is going to the townhouse in the middle of Gotham. That's fabulous. We need to have more cows. I'm sure there's no regulations against having having bovines in, in the middle of the city. It's fine. That's it. That's all I had. <laughs> I mean, in in one sense, it, it somewhat felt like it almost felt like the story was rushed to the end, you know, knowing this was the end of the line for Tomasi and Walker. And outside again seeing the Bet family, you know, just laying there as plot devices. I will say that if every issue of this arc was written the way this one was, the arc probably been the arc would have been much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um Steph is absolutely right with regards to how things ended with Damien. And again, I've said it before. I've said it on the server. I've said it in reviews. I've said it on podcasts. There is only one person that I truly trust to write Damien right now, and that's Tomasi. And in those last few pages on the rooftop between Bruce and his son, you see why I feel that way. Um, And I would be flabbergasted if we don't get a Batman and Robin book sometime in, in 2021 and seeing that Batman and Robin symbol on that first page, Mm -hmm. at least on that, on that double, uh, double page spread gives me high hopes. Um, Especially with Tomasi ending it by saying "never the end," so I'm, I'm I'm still having high hopes that we we get a Batman and Robin story and that Tomasi is writing it because that's the person to do it. I know I know Williamson is doing the backup Damien story uh, coming up after we get back from Future State, but. If 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 Tomasi had written everything in this arc the way he did this last issue, it would have been a much better send off than what it is. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been so happy to have a, a storyline fall off the edge of a cliff and never be talked about or heard from again. <laughs> like Mirror Master fall or whatever his name was, Mirror Face falling off. It was amazing. Good. Bye. <laughs> Don't come back. <laughs> yeah, we never figured out who that fool was. And we didn't uh, care. <laughs> no, we really didn't. 
I mean, the biggest story was to whether or not he was, if he was a pawn for Nakano or if Nakano was a mm-hmm. pawn for, for him. And mm-hmm. so it was neither. And, and you're like, okay, well, it's neither. Whatever. Yeah, good, good reason. <laughs> I thought that this resolution was reasonable. I'm more than a bit disappointed that Hush and Mirror were so, I think, badly written. Um, there was potential oh, yeah. with Hush. Um, because he was doing the same plot that he did in uh, Heart of Hush, where he's taking pieces of Bat family members and selling them off. But they didn't reference that. So I think it was a weak echo instead of a reference. And Mirror is just embarrassing. I don't understand what his purpose even was. I did. And um, I think I think if I can say, I think what you were saying with regards to how Hush was being depicted kind of also goes to what I was saying about the story feeling rushed. You know, One really does if, wonder when they made all the decisions about, you know, is T- Tamasi staying or is Tamaki coming? Like, Tamaki wrote that story in Detective Comics 1027 back in, well, it came out in, uh, was it October or September? One of the two. I yeah. want to say October. It might have been August, actually. But that was six months ago. No, um, I think it was, I think it was September because because ten twenty seven yeah, was actually a single. It wasn't a bi week, a bi monthly. It was a single yeah, month you're right. issue. Yeah, you're right. And that would be three months ago. I, I just it feels like they they should have worked with Tomasi so he he wouldn't set up a villain and then have to dispose of him and get another villain. Like that that whole plotting just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I have been enjoying the Damien stuff. Uh, despite not being quite as big a fan of Damien as my co-hosts, I do love him. I think he's a great character. And I think that Tomasi does a really good job here of showing his determination. I love the fact that he, you know, defeats uh, Hush's sister. And that was, a, that was a really clever little mystery. I also really liked the fact that Bruce uh, acknowledged his love for the rest of the family, the adopted, the allies and acknowledging the broader bat family which i think is really important because i do love that bruce has this son that he doesn't know what to do with but i love the fact that he also has dick you know who he found as a child and he has jason who he struggles with so much because he cares about him but jason can't fit in his world so many times and then you have tim who thrusts himself upon him and you have steph who thrusts herself on tim and then you have Cass, who showed up, and she believes in Batman's mission more than anyone. You have Babs, who is the daughter of his closest ally and is just so brilliant. And you have Duke, who's a new addition, and he's he's really inspired by Batman, and he really makes something of himself in Outsiders. And you have Damien, who's his son, by one of his strongest loves and also greatest enemies, who... He moved heaven and earth to resurrect when he died. Like, the whole family is so important, and I liked how Tomasi acknowledged that. Um, Even if I think he didn't do a great job of portraying most of the family, but I think that this resolution was was well done in that respect. I I think, and you mentioned a few of those lines that that Bruce drew out there in his speaking with, Damien. The one that really got me was when Bruce finally told Damien, it's not your fault that Alfred's dead. Mm -hmm. And if you can remember going back to uh, Tomasi and Tynion's um, Alfred R.I.P., they ridiculed Bruce because 
they all saw that Damien was hurting. And I believe it was Babs who said, you know, your son is out there hurting because he feels this is all his fault. And, you know, Bruce is saying, well, it's not. And, you know, Babs is like, did you tell him that? You know, because right now the weight of all this is on him. And, you know, just getting to that point and again, tying the two stories together where you see Bruce finally tell Damien, Alfred's death isn't your fault, even though Damien still believes that it is. But at least Bruce acknowledging where he slipped up as a father in recognizing the pain his son was going through was very touching. So where do you think Damien will go from here? Well, in the future state, right? <laughs> Ten years down the down the road. Um, I don't know. Is he? I mean, he might go find Goliath. What was the giant dog's name? Yeah, it's Goliath. Yeah. Goliath. Yeah, he might go find Goliath and have some, you know, alone time. Go backpacking across Europe, find himself, whatever teenagers do these days. Uh, I think, I think he'll come back more grounded. I don't think he'll be as fly off the cuff as he is now. Um, so Jonathan has grown up, uh, actually grown up. (laughs) And I think that Damien is going to emotionally be a different person from here on out. And I, I do hope he comes back to be Robin, but I think he'll be, I'll hope, I kind of hope he'll be just a little more mellow and more conscientious of, of life and death. I think right now he's a little too blase about killing. And I think Alfred's death is really going to drive home to him what death is. And I, I think he'll, he won't be as prone to be like his mother as he might be now. I think it's all going to depend on who ends up permanently writing Damien in the future. I know we, once we get back from future state, he's going to be in, he's going to be in the backup stories by Williamson. And if, if DC follows its current trend, perhaps they'll be announcing soon that Williamson is going to be doing a Damien story of some sort. But I, I don't know. His redemption is going to have to continue. And considering the turmoil that DC put him through over the years since since Rebirth, especially after it canceled Super Sons. They they have they have a lot of fixing to do with with Damien's psyche and, and Damien's persona. And you know, if it's Williamson that's doing it, that's great. Uh you know, again my preference will always be Tomasi, but you know Damien has to redeem himself at some point so that he feels comfortable taking the Robin mantle again. Um, because, you know, right now I can't see any other person having that role. And there has to be a Robin. There has to be. Well, it's been five months since Teen Titans Annual number two. I predicted. Uh, Within six months, he would be Robin again. I'm not sure I was right, because we're taking this two-month break with Future State. But I think that it is significant that they're advertising the backup stories with Damien in 
uh, Batman and Detective Comics in DC Infinite with Robin. In my mind, he still is Robin, even if he's going through uh, a period of struggle of identity. I'm not opposed to multiple Robins, as I said before. I liked the idea of We Are Robins. I like the idea of a Robins book where you have Dick, Jason, Tim, Steph, and Damien all together having adventures similar to the Five Little Robins story that Tim Seeley wrote earlier this year. So I still believe Damien's going to be Robin. I don't actually have a fear. Um, Some people are being really paranoid and saying that Clown Hunter is going to be the new Robin. There's no way that's going to happen. And I don't really see any of the writers interested in inventing a new Robin at this point. I mean, Snyder tried with Duke, but then he decided for some weird reason to not do that. Tynan really isn't interested in creating a new Robin because he loves Tim and he also likes Damien and he's got enough new characters going in different directions. I don't think he feels the need to invent a new Robin. So I'm going to maintain my prediction. I'm just going to spread it out. I think by June of 2021, Damien will be Robin again, wearing the red and we'll see if I'm right. Last question for this uh, issue. Where does this arc rank in terms of Tomasi's run on Detective Comics? Um, definitely higher. I mean, I love his Damien. And he was denied him. <laughs> and it sucks so hard. And I, I do like, I, I just wish, I wish we had gotten more of this. And I'm okay with I'll the I'll definitely say part. I wish we'd gotten more of this than the stupid <laughs> cult arcs. Yeah, like, but even that, like, I'm okay with a crappy story as long as the people investigating or being Batman or being the detectives, whatever, are are interesting. Like, okay, the cult one with, with well, all the cult ones were meh. But the cult one with, um... With Batman working with Two-Face, that one was actually moderately interesting because of the dynamic of the team. And so it's like, yes, the story sucked. <laughs> but at least for most of that, I think all of us at least were invested somewhat until it flew off the rails. And I wish wish there had been more of that. It's like I saw that he could do good teams even if it wasn't Damien. I prefer Damien, obviously. But, you know, anyone would have been great. And and I wish we had gotten more of that. And so the def- this definitely was the highlight. But I think there had there was potential all along and he didn't use it. Or they DC didn't give it to him. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go along the line of DC wouldn't let him, wouldn't give it to him. Um this was probably my favorite arc of the run simply because of how uh, the interaction with Damien was done. Ironically, I think the one that may have come in a close second, well, not a close second, probably would have been the uh, Mr. Freeze arc, you know, which was early in Tomasi's run. You know, I know we said last time that you know, when all said, with all is said and done, that Tomasi's run wouldn't be seen as a memorable one, and that is most definitely true because there were just some things that were just out there. You know, whether it was the Arkham Knight one, I mean, th- things were just so many stories left open and and unfinished, and I think that that just ruined it all. I mean, I ultimately think that Tomasi may have had plans to tie up loose ends, but, you know, 
time wasn't on his side, but this one, this one was probably my favorite. And again, strictly because of the interaction with with Damien, whether on his own or or with his father. I think I'm going to agree with that. Uh, my favorite would be the Mr. Freeze arc, just because I think he did a really good job of swerving and presenting new concepts. This definitely, I think, would be second favorite arc, although I think some of his one-shots were a little stronger, uh, but they're not really arcs. It's, this is really a bifurcated arc. The The Bat Family stuff is just so terrible, and the villains are so terrible, but the Damien stuff is so really strong. Like, And there's this palpable sense of energy and, and passion that I feel like we really didn't get for most of the run. It felt like Tomasi was almost writing on autopilot for a lot of it. I, so I don't, I don't know. I think on that inconclusive note, let's uh, get to our ratings for Detective Comics 1033 out of five R symbols. I knew you were going to do that one. Well, judging this on a relative scale of bell, bell curving it to it itself, uh, a f- four. Four out of five. Solely based on the rest of the arc or the run. Yeah, I I, I, I was going to give this in my review a four out of five. I think the way he ended it, especially on the Bruce and Damien side, redeemed redeemed the issue uh considering again the bat family with a bunch of plot devices you had you know two pages of nakano but that interaction between between bruce and and damien plus the fact that you got to see balan bovine uh loaded up in a trailer to head to gotham yeah Four out of five for me, and and I mean you can't you, you, you can't dismiss the great art of Brad Walker. That that I am definitely gonna miss. However, I'm not gonna complain with Dan Moore coming on board. So I'm gonna give this three and a half. I uh, I did really like Bruce's speech. Brad Walker's still not really my taste for Batman. I still love him on Aquaman more, and I do really like him on Aquaman. But this was a really well done art and writing combination. In general, I think that... Speaking of the art, there were a few things that just kind of caught me off. So there was the final battle between Bruce and Hush. And when Bruce just landed that right hook, it basically knocked all the bandages off of Hush's face. You could see Tommy. Yet as he's tying up Tommy in, 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 I'm assuming, back cable, even though Damien said his own bandages, his his face was wrapped again, so Bruce actually respects him enough to cover his face. That was weird. Well, uh, does he still look like Bruce? Maybe he just didn't want to look at. Or his own I face. thought that the last time we checked, he looked like Dick. You know, in the prelude to the wedding. <laughs> yeah, and, and oh. the, yeah, in the prelude, he looked like Dick. But in this in this issue, I mean, you you saw the red hair. Yeah, so it, it, was, yeah. it was it was it was Tommy again. Huss, unfortunately, has always been a character that doesn't make a whole lot of sense in continuity, even to his first <laughs> story. So I don't worry too much about that. So that gives us an overall rating of four out of five R symbols. Tune in on our Patreon next week when we talk about Batman Annual number five by James Tynan and James Stucco, the team who did the Clown Hunter story for batman joker war number one uh, anthology i'm extremely excited because the preview has leslie Tompkins 
and I'm one of the biggest Leslie Tompkins fans I know. I'm really looking forward to the reviewing that with my co-hosts. So tune in if you're a patron. And if you're not a patron, consider. I think that's actually at the lowest level. You can hear our TPU Extra stuff. We want to thank everyone who is one of our patrons and who gives one-time gifts. Um, please help us keep the hosting all the episodes and the articles up. And if you also want to join as a reviewer or writer of extra content, drop us a line. I'd be happy to have any new volunteers and conversation partners. Thank you for sticking with us in our season finale and through our year. Season 12 has been one of the most tumultuous seasons of Mm. the Batman universe for me, just uh, with everything that happened this year. But I was, I was really happy to, to sort of head up season 12 that's a lot of years for Batman Universe, even though I've only been doing it for two. And I really want to thank Steph and Theo. I was so pleased when Steph stuck around and her editing skills have been so phenomenal. And I was so happy to find someone with Theo's intelligence and experience. And when he said that he was excited to be a co-host on this show, I was so, so grateful. So thank you two for being my co-host for this season. And I look forward to being with you in season 13 next year. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. It's just allergy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Ian, for all the work you do and all the effort you put into these. Just so you guys know, Ian, like, maps out the entire episode every time. All these questions, he just comes up with them, and he he definitely puts his heart and soul into creating this podcast. I need puts up with my BS a lot. <laughs> well, I... I am. It's just so, so grateful to have this cast. Um, whenever I am able to promote the podcast to new lures, um, they talk about the chemistry we have with each other and the friend. We're, we're friends. I think we're friends. We banter. Um, we have these in-jokes that I hope people appreciate, but I certainly appreciate it. And I really look forward to our recording sessions. So from the Batman universe to you, have a Happy holiday season, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever holiday you celebrate, and of course, New Year's. We'll see our patrons next week for Batman Annual Number 5, and we'll see you all next year for Future State and DC Infinite. Thanks for listening. Um, Scott gave it a five. He did. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs>